Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. Today is a marker day. It's one of those days that gets circled on the calendar for one reason or another. So one of the reasons that today is marked special is it's the first Sunday of Lent. That's one of the markers, and I'll be spending the bulk of this message discussing our Lent journey together. Another marker however, is that today is also the two-year anniversary of the last Sunday that we held regular service here before the pandemic shutdown began today, two years ago. Now, perhaps the fact that at this moment, it feels like we seem to be emerging into a new phase of the pandemic. Maybe that's what makes this anniversary stand out even more to me. I'm not sure. I tend to mark anniversaries in my own mind. But here's the truth. On that Sunday, March 8th, 2020, here's some things that did not happen. We did not make any announcements about our plans for dealing with the shutdown. Um, We did not distribute masks or hand sanitizer or toilet paper, okay? Do y'all remember that? We, We didn't have any idea what was about to come down the pike within days. On that last Sunday that we met, We had no idea what the following Sunday was going to turn out to be like, truly. As I realized this week that this anniversary was upon us, I wondered, what had I preached on in the days leading up to that momentous March shutdown? So I began kind of looking through my notes. And, you know, I'm encouraged to know that the Lord was preparing us and speaking to us and that the message has remained consistent. The things that he was telling us at the beginning of 2020 were setting a groundwork to help get us through, but it was a little surreal to look at some of this stuff. So I've got some direct quotes for you. And uh, Tom, I gave you some slides, and this is where they're going to pop up if you've got those available. Um, January 5, 2020, the first Sunday of the year. We are not called to be tossed about with the furious winds of this world system, but instead to have our roots grow deep and our fruit be abundant. This transforming community will be a solace from the strife and a beacon in the darkness, a place to be nurtured and strengthened, equipped for each day and each place. February 9, 2020, the paradigm shift that Jesus is calling us to is deep indeed. He is teaching us that anxiety and fear are not necessary. 
Oh my goodness. In fact, they short circuit and diminish our faith. Jesus is not saying to the disciples that the storm is no big deal. He is not saying that a flooded boat is not dangerous. He's saying, I've got you. I'm here. You don't need to be afraid. Now we're getting closer and some stuff is starting to rumbles are out there. And we're wondering, what does this maybe mean? March 1st, 2020. In this week of global crisis, the stock market in a free fall, I had forgotten exactly when that took place, the sense of uncertainty and fear growing around us, we can begin feeling very insecure about finances. I want to encourage you today, God is your source. Your job is a gift that God is using in your life to provide for you, but he is not limited by your job. He is your source. Can I say two years later, we have seen God provide in the middle of some really shaky financial times and God has carried us through and whatever is next, he's going to carry us through that too. Amen. And then on March 8th, that last day before our world shifted, As we are focused on the principles of God's kingdom that remain, that are steadfast, and that will still be standing after the dust settles, we know that faith is going to last. We are called to live by faith from start to finish. And as I have been contemplating, still quoting here, what that means for us in regard to community, the passage in Isaiah 58 came to mind. In this passage, God is speaking to his people to deconstruct their religiosity, which actually hinders authentic relationship with him and with others, and to instead rebuild based on his priorities. That is amazing to me to think about that this was the word of the Lord to us before. (laughs) Because actually, has it changed that much? Has it changed what he's actually saying to us? It has continued to be the same and keeps carrying us through. And I am thankful for that. Today is a marker day. Today, March 6, 2022. I sense that we're at a threshold, walking through a door into a fresh space. And here's the, here's the truth of this. We have agency in designing how we make our entrance. I stand in amazement at the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the truth that is just so strong in me that he has brought us. He has brought us this far. I also acknowledge weariness, dismay, grief, sorrow. And my friends, the hard stuff isn't over. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's not. And you know what? It isn't going to be until the glorious appearing of our Lord when he makes all things new and reigns over all in his eternal kingdom world without end. So as we begin this Lent season together, 
I want us to view it as a fresh commitment, a time for making fresh commitments, a time to set aside some habits and patterns that have hindered us. And if we are all honest, we can say some different patterns, some different habits have come into our life in this pandemic reality. And maybe at one time they served us well, but is it time to refresh? Is it time to set those aside and for us to be ready to celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday? Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 1. And I'll be reading verses 9 through 13 and then 34 through 38. Our topic today is rhythms of renunciation. We're going to be talking about some contemplative practices, ways that followers of Jesus can renounce the ways of the world. And we see Jesus modeling for us how this works. So Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Down to verse 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. This is the word of the Lord. Father, just open our hearts and ears, our minds to receive from you today. Anoint me to speak it forth what you have put in my heart to say today. We trust you, Lord, for guarding over your word. In Jesus' name, amen. For 2,000 years, Lent has been a season of spiritual preparation in which to reflect on Christ's temptation, suffering, and death. Records from the early church, and as early as the 100s and 200s show some type of a Lent practice. Uh, beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending on Easter, it has historically been a time to draw closer to God through prayer, fasting, repentance, and self-denial. That's what that fast thing is about. The practice of Lent is modeled after this passage we just read, where the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. 
as a church family, we are going to frame our Lent season with this theme, Deeply Formed. And so it struck me that those, a couple of those quotes talked about um, the deep roots going, forming, forming us. You know, it's, it has been a constant theme. I'm using the book Deeply Formed Life by Rich Velotas to help us. And this is on our website. There's a link there to where to go to buy the book, if that's something, if you want to buy the book. Each of the topics deal with choosing to identify with Jesus, allowing him to be formed in us and choosing to engage in practices for the purpose of opening us up to that formation. Keeping in mind this template of that, what is Lent about, prayer, fasting, repentance, self-denial, we should expect to be challenged every week. <laughs> we should expect to come to see our limits and our weaknesses and our sin, but to also gain a deeper awe of God's matchless, limitless love for us and Christ's overwhelming sacrifice on our behalf. So today... Rhythms of Renunciation. We've talked about a lot of these, especially during the course on Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, Rich Velotis is actually connected with Pete Scazzaro, pastoring the church that Pete formerly pastored. Um, these are principles that are, we are working at embedding in our church culture. So this is another... <laughs> another beat in that rhythm, all right? But why would contemplative practices be associated with renunciation? I want to talk about that aspect of it. So, you know, the world has stood at attention watching this Ukrainian resistance. It's compelling, right? Seeing it. Journalists and citizens are recounting story after story of heroism and people determined to stand up and, and, and fight for their freedom. So whether it's people standing in front of a tank or putting up billboards, uh, encouraging the soldiers to go back home, don't lose your humanity, or, or even a story where the, uh, they offered a phone to a lost Russian soldier so he could call home and talk with his family. Um, in just over a week, hundreds of stories of resistance have flooded our media. I want us to realize that as followers of Jesus, we are called to a resistance movement. We are required to renunciate the ways of this world. Jesus said it this way, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. This renunciation has to be supported by ongoing lifestyle rhythms. It's not the kind of thing where you just say one day, okay, I renounce the ways of the world, and then you're not tempted by the ways of the world anymore, or you're not, you're not dealing with it. We have to develop embodied rhythms to make this renunciation. This is evident in the early church. 
so for the first few centuries, Christianity was a marginalized and persecuted religion. I know that sometimes people like to say that we Christians are being persecuted in the United States. Let's be careful with that language. <laughs> because my goodness, when you think about what real persecution is. But in the early church... We saw this in the study of Revelation, when, in the letters to the seven churches, how Jesus would commend them when they stood against or renounced the ways of the empire and the false religions and the powers of the day. But something happened as history moved forward. Following Constantine, a dramatic shift occurred in how the empire related to Christians. So Rich Velotis puts it this way, Christianity had experienced a drastic cultural shift whereby people purported to enter into life with God and the church, not by renunciation of the ways of the world system, but by appropriating it through political and cultural power. It was in this context that men and women decided to take up their cross and go into the desert. <laughs> I love that we sang the desert song today. No longer was there a clear and powerful delineation between Christianity and conformity to the political ways of the world. In order to resist the temptations of worldly power, Men and women, who we now call the desert mothers and fathers, went into the desert to maintain a cross-shaped life that would be marked by prayer, renunciation, and formative spiritual practices. Well, I want to just state the obvious that the same temptations and traps face us today. We can learn from these monastics some important rhythms of renunciation. And I just want you to, say, to get this in your head. I, I don't want anybody to say, well, I don't live in a monastery, so none of this works for me. That's the whole point. None of us live in a monastery. <laughs> none of us here, none of you watching, I don't think, live in a monastery. But there are gifts here for us to receive from that tradition. Walter Brueggemann talks about the Sabbath, which is the main contemplative practice we're going to talk about today. He talks about it as resisting powers and principalities. That when we keep Sabbath, we are entering into that Ephesians 6 reality of resisting the powers and principalities, renouncing the messages of the world, and instead we're going to agree with what God has to say to us. And what is that? We are beloved. We are loved apart from what we accomplish, apart from what we do. And in a prophetic way, we are bearing witness to the gospel when we will observe Sabbath. What does it mean to follow Jesus? We have to leave something behind. 
Every person that Jesus called had to leave something in order to follow him. Peter, Andrew, James, and John left their fishing nets and their family business. Matthew left his tax booth. All the disciples left livelihood and family in order to follow Jesus. The pattern that this scriptural model shows us is leaving the world behind, entering into silence and solitude, in prayer, in repentance. These are rhythms of leaving the world. But most of us don't feel like we measure up to the disciples or have a life like they had. And we don't see how we can follow these rhythms. But I am convinced that such rhythms are available even to us busy people. I know we're convinced that we're more busy than any other generation. But friends, <laughs> we need to just rethink that. We need to rethink that. John Mark Comer offers this definition of repentance, rethinking reality from the ground up. What does it mean when we say repent? What, what are we going to repent from? Well, it could be having to back up a little bit and rethink from the ground up, not just rethinking you know, just one little thing. What is it that we need to, we need to understand that this call is something that maybe it could work even for us busy people. <laughs> what if we were to take this opportunity to choose to structure our days in ways that allow for silence and stillness before God, to choose to structure our week with Sabbath observed, and protected. Tish Harrison Warren adds that she views repentance as living into the story of Jesus instead of stories that are false stories. This is another element of renunciation. You are flooded with false words, things that are not true, but they are coming at you. They, here's what she says they might sound like, that you are not beloved, that your life doesn't matter, that we are mostly here, left here on our own to eke out an existence for ourselves. What is the truth of God? Instead, we are beloved. These practices are not about getting more loved by God. They are about finding and working ourselves into a place where we can receive what God has and, and know how much he loves us. Just as we read, Jesus was declared beloved by God at his baptism. What had he done so far? 
He had not accomplished any miracles yet. He had not done any of the stuff. He had just begun his ministry. As Alicia Bridgesholi talks about in Anonymous, he had been hidden all the way up until that moment, and yet he is declared beloved by God. It is not about our doing. It's not about our accomplishments. And we've got to rethink and fix our system of life rhythms so that that new way of thinking is established for us. So Lent, what are you planning to fast for Lent? Now I know that Lent officially began on Ash Wednesday, but if you have not already chosen something to fast, I want to declare today a marker day, and you can think about it today. I would like to encourage us all to enter into some form of self-denial during Lent, uh, something that you hold before the Lord and say, I'm going to do this for you. But here's the thing. It's not about earning anything. It's not about what if you mess up, then uh, then what? It's not about that. It's a practice that we join in community with each other and with millions and millions and millions of other Jesus followers at this time and with the desire to draw closer to God. So I'm going to share my choices uh, for Lent with you. So Craig and I both, I, I, I think it's okay for me to say this, um, we've decided to have no chocolate for Lent. I've meant to bring it over. I have this big basket, and I went around the house collecting every chocolate thing I could find and put it in the basket uh, so that, you know, we would, that's where it is. Um, we'd be actually less tempted because it's not just showing up in the cabinet with whatever. So there's the chocolate. And we're doing this in solidarity with our granddaughter, Bethany. We wanted to just support and say, okay, we're in this together with you. And so we're not doing chocolate. Um, but I, I'm going to share that I also had a sense that I, there was something else I needed to do. And I just was struggling with what is it? You know, what is it? And, and then Here's what I felt by the end of the week, and it's that I, <laughs> as much as I've preached it to you, that I have to seriously observe a 24-hour Sabbath each week during Lent. In the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, this was part of what was talked about, and I made a I'm going to call it a commitment, but then did I, did I get it done? You know, it's like, keep trying, but I, it's like, okay, it's going to happen. During Lent, I am definitely going to observe this 24-hour period of Sabbath. You know, we've been through quite an um, arc of the way we've addressed Sabbath in in our history, Craig and I, and in our ministry. And, and here's part of the deal. We have never wanted to treat it with legalism. Never, ever wanted to treat it with uh, a sense of, uh, if you don't do it this way, you're doing it wrong. And, um, and even to the point of, well, does it have to be 24 hours? Does it have, you know, there's been all kinds of that sort of thing. But so, so as we are finishing out today, 
this conversation about Sabbath, just hear me, that it's not about legalism. But this is going to be what I'm going to do for sure during Lent. And I'm hoping it will also help me be more obedient to the call of God I feel regarding this practice. This practice. So the, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy was the fourth of the Ten Commandments given by God to Moses. And, and the prophetic call for Moses was to form a people distinct from all the other nations around them. They were to proclaim freedom, that they served a sovereign and free God, and Sabbath was a declaration of their dependence on God, not their own efforts or achievements. Sabbath is a celebration of God's presence and his rule and reign. God himself rested on the seventh day. And that's what he says when he gives this commandment. For it, God made the earth in six days and on the seventh he rested. We are to model ourselves in his image. And that's why it's a resistance. Because the world wants to model us in the world's image. Prophetic resistance is necessary. We must choose to be distinct from the world. Being here this morning, making worship a part of your Sabbath practice, sets you apart from the patterns of this world. Your neighbors that don't know God have no understanding of what Jesus has done for them don't necessarily have a pattern of worship. But when you know Jesus, you begin to build your patterns according to that and allowing this to be a part of your Sabbath. The Sabbath reminds us of the gospel of grace. Part of what's going on, so here's my, um, yesterday I had my starting Friday evening at six o'clock through all day yesterday, I had my Sabbath. I don't know if I succeeded fully, I, but I can tell you the kinds of temptations that come up, checking your email for, you know, what, what's going, you know, is something going on? I need to just not no responsibility, no decisions, you know, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a reality that the temptations are going to be there as we make these commitments to the Lord. But the other thing is this sense of, I can't, I feel guilty to take a Sabbath if I haven't finished my work. Well, you know, the, when are you ever going to finish your work? When are we ever going to be finished? And the reality is, Sabbath is a way of acknowledging that. It is a way of saying, it doesn't matter if I was capable of working 23 hours a day. It, I'll never get it all done. It is me acknowledging that God is in control and the universe will not stop working God has got it. While I stop, while I pause, while I step away and obey in rest, it's going to be okay. It's a way of declaring our faith in him. Well, we're running out of time and we need to take communion. Quick steps. 
Sabbath is not a reward earned for hard work. It is a reminder that our work remains incomplete. It is a day that moves us away from production and toward presence. Presence with God, but also presence with your people. (laughs) Presence with your family. Being present. And Sabbath points us to the deeper rest we need. We'll talk further about this on Wednesday. One of the things that Pete Scazzaro emphasizes is delight. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that psalm that talks about delight in the Lord and how you can't say the word delight without feeling this upward lift. And we need to figure this delight thing out and get better at living in delight. If you have your communion elements, I want you to take them, and I'm going to call Rachel, worship team, back up. Our practice is to receive communion on the first Sunday of the month. And we're going to do that in just a moment. As I've been contemplating rhythms, we're going to add the rhythm of receiving communion to our worship service each Sunday during Lent. It's going to be a part of our response time. Uh, This time together includes rhythms of formation. And and I just want us to now invite, invite you to approach this moment with your hearts ready to receive and to respond. What has God been speaking to you today? Is there something that you need to rethink from the ground up? The hope and promise is that as we respond, as we choose to renounce the world's power, the world's pace, and the world's priorities, we bear witness to the gospel and experience the rest and the freedom that Jesus died for. While this song is playing, I want you to treat it as your altar time and come before the Lord. Give that thing to him. If you need to make a decision for something to deny yourself, something to fast during Lent, and then we'll come back and receive the elements together. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.